All right. How many of you guys, this is cool. It's kind of like our little discipleship school here. I like this. You guys are fun. How many of you guys were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and tonight? Come on. just All right. Good. Look at that. Pastor, do you see this? There's Pope Paul. Look at this. This is working. All right. Um, how many of you, like, you just came tonight. It's your first night. And, all right. So thanks for coming. Uh, and, and of those of you, how many of you, like, you're not from Bridge Community Church? You're not from Bridge. Okay. Hey, why don't you guys welcome these guys? Because <laughs> that's that's great. Because uh, and I don't want to ask how many of you never heard of Bridge Community Church because because I had never heard of you guys until I heard of you guys and you guys are fun and it's it's very rare that I get the opportunity to come and and just hang out with a, a local church on a weekend. So it's fun to do that. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, it's great that I had I was kind of. Had my arm twisted by my sister to do that. My sister comes to this church, and so she laid on the guilt really thick. No, she didn't. Really. She, didn't. she didn't. You never come and visit me. Come down here. So she actually not, but I did get to spend some nice time having coffee with her today and visiting with my great niece. Great, great. Is it grand? How come you could be a grandfather, but when you're uncle, that's it's a great uncle. Well. I'm a great uncle. It's true. But anyway, so my, uh, my, my niece and nephew's children are so cute. So we had a good time. So, hey, thanks you guys for coming. You guys that aren't from the church, are you still from around here? Anybody come from a distance? Yeah? Canada? Yeah. We're an hour and a half drive from Jersey. Look at that. Wow. I feel kind of like... I feel kind of obligated to say something nice to you. <laughs> but you're from Jersey, so I don't have to. <laughs> I'm from Pennsylvania, but I live in Connecticut, so you figure out that dynamic. Uh, but I, I would love to pray for you guys before you leave, just so you know. So thank you for coming a distance, so I appreciate that. Anybody else come from farther than Jersey? No? Okay. So how about there's a couple other people that said you're not from the church. Where are you from? Where are you guys? Some other people that came. You got, didn't you guys raise your hand? You're not from here? In the back. Where'd you come from? No, there's somebody. Who's not from Bridge? Oh, you guys. Where'd you guys, where are you guys from? Skip back. Skip back. So that's not too far. So, hey, welcome. Cool. And it, yeah? Coatesville. My sister lives in Coatesville. Yeah. I won't tell you where. It's out there in the farms with the animals and stuff like that. All right. Anybody else? What's your, Green Lane. Where's that at? Actually, no, there was a Bible school there because my, my father-in-law went to Green Lane Bible Institute before it was Valley Forge. Valley Forge used to be a Green Lane. Yeah, so there's some, some remnants of an old Bible school there, which is cool. That's great. Well, good. Well, welcome. We're going to have a good time. And um, this is sort of an interactive night tonight. Pastor Paul asked if we could just um, have an interactive time because he thought that this was a different kind of a weekend for the church and he felt like I should be the one to have to answer all the questions instead of him after I leave. So usually what happens is I just come in and do my thing and I leave the answering the questions of somebody else. I make a mess. You deal with it. That's my job. Um, but we're going to actually do that. Actually, we're gonna do a, I'm going to do a little teaching to tag on from last night and an exercise that we can participate in together. So it's going to be interactive. And then, um, then we'll take a time of... Hopefully some questions. And, and I actually really love questions. I actually learn 
a lot from other people's questions. And as I said Sunday morning, you have to learn to ask new questions, right? Uh, let me just throw it. For some reason, like I, I love what I teach in the prophetic, but I'm, I'm by nature, and most prophetic people are like this. They get bored easy, which is why they can sort of annoy pastors when they're around them because they're always seeing something new and prophesying something new or wanting something new. And then we can also sometimes, you know, annoy our people around us because we always want something new and we're not present where we are. And I'm learning to do both. But I really, there's something this year, and we're going to demonstrate it actually tonight. And that is this, that, you know, in the kingdom of God, we're always striving to grow. He's really moving us toward fullness and maturity, right? And this isn't my sermon, but there's a little thing. Ephesians 4 says that the church looks like this. There's some that are called to be leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So you need leaders. We need leaders. We thank God for leaders. And they're there to help us all find our ministry or our work of service, which doesn't just mean in the church, but your work of service is out there to perfect us, to find a work of service, uh, a work of ministry. So it means all of us are ministers, whether we're a school teacher or bus driver or mom or dad, we're, we're ministers. And so every member is a minister. That's another part of the church. We have leaders, and then we have every member is a minister. And then he said, um, so that they can reach the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. That's the last part of the church, and that's really where God wants to bring us to, is a place of fullness, where we've, where it's maturity. And coming to a place of maturity comes in, in different stages. But what I've realized is that sometimes we confuse uh, maturity with um, being an expert at something. And being an expert is not the same as maturity because actually the word maturity in the Bible or the word perfect, if you hear, if you read it in the New Testament, it says we're being made perfect or we're perfected. It actually is a progressive word meaning we continue to mature and become perfect. So you're perfect and you're becoming perfect. You're, you're saved and you will be saved. It's a tension we live in in the kingdom is that we, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness and we're still discovering what we've been given and we're gaining more. We, we ask, but we already have. And so we, we live in that place. Well, one of the things that we have to, to learn and I'm learning as well is that when we become really good at doing something, we can't stop become, be, being learners to learn something new. And I've been trying to demonstrate that a little bit with the way I've been dealing with the prophetic with you. Like the, the idea is this, is that if you're, you enter into the kingdom of God like a child, which means you might be really um, proficient in certain things, but you need to find something to be an amateur at in order to grow. And so tonight, I, there's some of you, like what I'm going to teach you is like, that's, I, you figured that out a long time ago. Like, I, I've done that. Good. If you've, if you've mastered something, you can teach other people that. But if you haven't, you can be an amateur at something new. And, the, and here's the challenge is, is that I can either be a, a professional at doing the old thing or I can learn to be an amateur at doing something new so I can continue to grow. I just refuse to get stuck. And so I'm going to be an amateur the rest of my life even as I become more mature. What's the way to maturity? Being immature. Finding somewhere where you can still grow. So I'm still immature on the inside. All right. Some of you are like, my sister's like, amen to that. 
Um, so we're going to do a little teaching in a second, but I, I feel like what's going to happen tonight is it's going to spark something in some of you like, hey, I really want to grow more in this. Like, I really need to do this. And anything that you need to learn, you need to, to do it a lot. So if you're going to be good at playing the guitar, you got to play it a lot. If you're going to be good at singing, hopefully <laughs> sing a lot. And, and, and you're only good if other people think you're good. So just so you know that. <laughs> If you're going to be good, if you're going to learn, you know, there's a, there's a book called The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell. He, he wrote this. He said you have to do something for 10,000 hours to become really good at it. I think that's, that's true of the spiritual gifts, that, yes, we have faith. We could step into something at a certain level. But when you do something over and over again, repetition causes you to have confidence, but it also builds faith. And faith is built through repetition. Faith is built by speaking to the mountain over and over again. So some of the resources I have to help you grow in the prophetic may help you back there. And I have two schools of learning to hear God's voice. Uh, the one that's back there is just, it's called level two, which just means more of the same. All right. And this is recorded quite a while ago, but it's foundational. And this one is more about um, the unseen realm. So like if you're interested and if you're not, you should be about like what about this unseen realm? Like, what's, how, how can we interact with heaven? The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then he put man on the earth. And he said, unless you eat of the tree, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. So he, if he, when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when death came into the world. So man wasn't created to die, yet heaven was created first which means that heaven wasn't initially created as a place for man to go when he died. It was actually a place for man to interact with God on the earth. And we still have that actually ability to, to see the unseen realm, if you will. And so what is a, what is a seer? What does it mean to see things? And, and tonight we'll talk about that a little bit, about how to get spiritual pictures. It's very practical. This also talks about um, how to develop and understand if you're having dreams and what to do with dreams. This has to do with um, spiritual creativity. And I have a, a last session. There's four sessions in here. Last session is actually um, prophetic entrepreneurism. And actually, I believe that prophecy is the greatest tool for entrepreneurism because God created the best startup business in the world with no resources he spoke it into his existence, and in seven days, he created a, a business that's going on for eternity. It's pretty good, pretty good startup. I wish I would have got it on the initial public offering. It would have been awesome. So this is four um, sessions, about four hours of teaching on prophecy. And if you want the lighter version, there's this lighter version, which actually touch on a little bit of what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is um, how to how to. Uh, understand the voice of God from the beginning. <clears throat> so that's called Let There Be Light, and it's two CDs. If you want to do a little bit more interaction, um, I have a book that back there that actually has exercises in it, and so it doesn't just teach you different ways that God speaks, but it actually walks you through exercises. So there's a book and there's a study guide that goes with it. Don't be confused because they look a little bit the same. One's a little thinner, says Participant's Guide. That's the one that just has like study guide questions, for individual study or group study. It has nine chapters, and in each day, in each chapter, there's, there's a one week, full week of daily scriptures and daily um, questions that you can learn to hear God's voice in a different way from each scripture. And at the end of each chapter, there's an exercise, a journaling exercise, a, a verbal exercise that you can do with a person in, that has 
a follower of Jesus or that's in the church, and then a verbal exercise that you could do with someone that doesn't know Jesus to practice sharing your faith with someone else. So this, this study guide is really powerful, and I've had churches that have taken up to 500 people at one time through it, and it's very interactive and it's very helpful. And some churches do, and, and even churches in this area, um, have done uh, multiple small groups with it. And so every single day for nine weeks... There's a scripture for you to hear God's voice better. So I'd like to say if I can get inside of your head every day for nine weeks, I could do a lot of damage. And I'd like to do that. And, and it helps you to establish new habits. You do something over and over again, you have new habits. And so the book works on by itself. It's, it's, it's good reading, and it's actually got a, a few interactive things at the end of each chapter. But the study guide is more intensive and uh, something that you could work through. All right? And then... What we have back there, this is one, it really is our most requested resource. It's called Healing Experience. And if you're interested in growing in the gift of healing, this will help you. But also, if you need healing or you know somebody that needs healing, this would help you. This is all the healing miracles of Jesus, but the spontaneous songs and prayers for healing. And um, I might share a story later on for how we actually did this CD, but we actually did it for people outside of the church at first because we were going to um, these events where there were unbelievers and they were getting healed, but we wanted to get the scriptures into their hands. And so we took all the healing miracles of Jesus, put them to prayers and songs for healing, my wife and I, and we just give words of knowledge uh, for healing. And we have literally hundreds of testimonies of people being healed. The most what I think dramatic testimony we have that I share a lot is, is a lady in Chicago that had an autistic child. She was six years old, wasn't potty trained, couldn't dress herself, and couldn't write her own name at six years old. She got a hold of this CD. Her sister sent it to her. She emailed us after three months of playing the CD in her daughter's room all night long for three months. And she said, there's something on that CD, the word of God that's on that CD. Because in three months, my daughter can now dress herself. She's potty trained and she can write her name. And she hadn't been able to do that. That's a pretty big deal for a mom with an autistic child. It gets better because she kept playing this 24-7 in her child's room. And after a year, she wrote back to us, and she said, I want to tell you what happened. I took my child back to school this year, and the teacher said, we don't need her to be in a special needs class. She's completely fine. And by the way, we've never seen a child respond this way. What are you doing with this child? And she told her, I pray for my daughter every day. My family lays hands on her, and we play healing scriptures and healing music over her. And the teacher said, we want a copy of that for all of our special needs class. And they play it. It's instrumental. They play it in the classrooms, and there's testimonies of kids that are just responding to this. Why? Because Bible, the Bible says, I'll send my word and I will heal you. So anybody here knows someone that has a special needs child? Okay, can I give this to you? And I think this will really encourage you. And uh, there's tons of them back there, so help yourselves to them. All right, and then one more thing I want to give you, because I just think I have this saying. Everybody wants God to do a new thing, but... The, the new thing is the old thing, just better. And so I, I, I think like there's some things that God's going to breathe on that's, that we think are old school, but they're actually new school. And I think one of the things in music in the church, we're going to start to see God breathe on the old hymns of the church. So uh, my wife did this CD. She's an awesome worship leader, carries an atmosphere of the presence of God. And it's called Take Me In, Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. It's psalms from the Psalms of David, uh, hymns of the church, and then these spontaneous prophetic songs. That She's got some, a song in here that's called um, Let Hope Rise. That I, I, I put it on repeat, and it just, I don't know, it just makes me feel better. 
course, it's my wife, so she makes me feel better every time I hear her. But, but if you like hymns of the church, nothing but the blood of Jesus, great is thy faithfulness, come thou fount in, in the garden. Anybody like hymns? I give this to you. you. Like hymns? Can I give this to you? Yeah, awesome. Okay. So this is, um, this is a really good one. You really like it. Can you come and get it? Because I'm like a little too cold to come down there and get that. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, so what we're going to do, I want to pick up on what we, what we started last night. And normally I would start out, we'd do some ministry, and then we'd do something at the end. But I want to save some personal ministry to the end. Also, we're going to do something corporate. So get ready. Here we go. Go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. And last night we did just verses 1 and 2. I asked them, how far did we get? They said, you only got to the second verse. I'm like, wow. All right. I could literally spend a year just in Genesis 1 through 3. <clears throat> There's so much in it. We're going to read uh, verses 3, 4, and 5. And um, then we're going to put this into practice, okay? So those of you who have been to any of my uh, trainings on the prophetic, you'll recognize some of what we're going to talk about. But those of you, but you know, there's always something fresh and something new. And those of you who haven't, I'm going to try to like, not assume that you know a lot of stuff because sometimes I can just go and it's like you're drinking from a fire hydrant and I don't want to just overwhelm you with information. So if there's something that comes up and you have a question, that's what we're going to deal with a little bit later on. Of course, if you have any questions about anything that happened Sunday morning, Sunday night, um, or any practical questions about the Bible, just don't ask me where babies come from, okay? We're not going to go there. All right. I'll leave that to the parents. Genesis 1, and we're going to go chapter 1. We'll start with verse 3. We know last night we talked about God said, let there be light. So we ended there. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good. He separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and morning the first day. Everybody say the first day. Okay, this is the interesting thing about God. And this is something that's in, um, I think, the book of Isaiah. It says, the Lord your God is not like the gods of the earth, for he calls the end from the beginning. He calls the end from the beginning, which means that God doesn't see your time the way you see it. So God exists outside of time and outside of space. He's, he's in eternity. He's, does, he's not limited by any of those things. He's outside of them. So when we view our life, we view our life like linear, like that's your beginning of your life, that's the ending of your life, and different points of your life, you have different things, and at some point in your life, you come to Christ, and then you live your life from that point on, but God doesn't look at your life that way because he exists outside of time, he sees your end from your beginning, in fact, it says he declares the end from the beginning, so God actually starts from the end. And then he, he orchestrates your life to try to get you to see the end of where he's taking you. And it says this in, in Ephesians 1. It says that you have been chosen in him since before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, predestined in love to be sons and daughters of God to the praise of his glorious grace. It's a beautiful scripture, but if you think about this, you were born into sin. You were born into sin. It's called original sin. You were born into it because you're born of the flesh. 
And when you're born of the flesh, you're born into sin. But the Bible says that he saw you in Christ since before the foundation of the world. He saw the ending from the beginning. He saw you in Christ. He saw you as holy and blameless in his sight. He saw what would happen after you came to Christ. Now we also, we understand that salvation, conversion, the new birth, the new creation, whatever you want to call what happens at the cross, you can call it the new creation. You can call it being born again. Jesus actually called it being born from above that when that that happens by you seeing the end from the beginning it happens when you see who God is and who Jesus is and that he came so that you could be a new creation he could take all your sin and you could take his righteousness and when you when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord Romans says when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you're saved. That's the process. When you believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, which tells us something has to be said for transformation to happen. And that's what happened when God said, let there be light. When he said, when he spoke, that's when transformation happened. Last night, chaos, darkness, emptiness was transformed when something was spoken. There's some things that won't happen in your life until you speak them. And there's some things that happen in your life because you speak them over and over again that God didn't intend that's not confess it and possess it. That's actually just when you believe something long enough, it'll start to become a reality in your life. Tell a kid long enough that they're dumb, they're going to believe they're dumb, and they're going to act dumb, and they're going to have the response of a dumb person. They're going to not, not think that they're smart. But tell a child that they can do anything, and they believe they do anything. They may not accomplish anything, but they'll accomplish more than if you told them they're dumb. Right? And so words have power. Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Words have power. And some things don't happen unless they're spoken. That's why prayer has to be verbal. It's not, you don't just, the Bible doesn't say, think good thoughts toward the sick and they recover. Lay hands on the sick and then recover because some things require a response that's visual, that's verbal in order for what God intends to come into the, from the unseen to the seen realm. Can believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Now you're a new creation in Christ. So God said, let there be light. Actually, verse 3, let there be light could be more properly translated with basically one statement or two words. It takes two words in English, but in Hebrew it would just be one that is just light. And the inference is light be. So he was saying Light be in the earth. Light be in the chaos. Light be in the darkness. Light be in the emptiness. Light be. It was a, it was a command. It was a statement. It wasn't like, I hope there's light. Somebody turn on the light. Let there be light. It was be light. Light be. Now, the question that arises is, What's the source of the light? If light's going to come into the chaos, darkness, and emptiness, what's the source of it? The natural response would be, well, it's, it comes from God. And Colossians tells us that everything that was created, that, that which is visible and that which is invisible, was created through him, by him, and held together, or created through him, was Created, was held, is held together by him. So everything that we see came from God. So when he said, let there be light, he was basically saying, what's inside of me? Be in the chaos. What's inside of me? Be in the emptiness. What's inside of me? 
be in the darkness. So literally when God spoke, he was taking his substance and he's putting it into the earth and transforming it. There's a mirror New Testament concept to this. Let's see. Let's do a little Bible trivia, okay? See if you can finish the sentence. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Very good. Christ in you is the hope of glory, which means that there's something inside of you that God is hoping to get out of you. The hope of glory, that word glory means the reputation or the substance of something, which if you take that statement, you say Christ in you is the reputation and substance of God that he's hoping will get outside of you because Christ in you is just the hope of his reputation and substance. But Christ out of you is actually the manifestation. Which is better, the hope or the manifestation? Which is better, hoping you have a kid? or Because when you're pregnant, you're expecting. But you don't want to be pregnant forever. Thank God it's only nine months. It seems long enough for me. Right? But Christ out of you is the manifestation of glory. Now, what, I don't, what we sometimes miss in that scripture is actually there's a verse directly before it. And it says this. There's a mystery that's been hidden since before the foundation of the world. Christ in you. There's a mystery that's been hidden since the foundation of the world. What are we reading about? The foundation of the world. I believe right here. What if God, what, what Paul is referring to about the hope of glory in you is actually revealed here by God saying, light in me being the chaos. Light in me being the darkness. Light in me being the emptiness. I believe that's true. I believe it's a mirror of it, which then tells me the solution to the chaos, darkness, and emptiness around me isn't that Jesus has to come again, but that the Jesus in me has to get into the chaos, darkness, and emptiness around me. Light in me being giant. Light in me being Starbucks. Light in me, I'd say Dunkin' Donuts, but I don't think Dunkin' Donuts can get the glory of God on it. Just just my opinion. It needs a lot more than the glory of God to make that coffee good. But yeah, I don't want to start an argument. Light in me be in the earth. I believe that there's, there's something that God's put in you that's destined to be in the world around you. And in fact, it says in Ephesians 3, it says that it's now through the church that God makes himself known to principalities and powers. What does that mean? That there's something inside of you that's greater than the chaos around you. And Christ in you has to get out of you. And how does God do it? He, he says, let there be light. So that is the target of where we're going to realize the power of when we speak, that when we are speaking what God intends It actually carries God's authority. It actually carries something. Prayer has the power. Prayer changes things. You ever hear that? Okay. If prayer changes things, why can't you believe that when you speak God's intended word over somebody that can change something in their life? When you look at someone and say, you've been struggling with an addiction, but God's going to set you free. Is that any less powerful than you praying, God, help them with this addiction and set them free? 
Is there any less, and is there any difference in that? Because prayer changes things. That means your words with God's power change things. When you see from God's perspective, and now we're going to get into this perspective part of it. Verse 4. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and morning the first day. Now, we just noted before that God just created something, right? What did he create? Day. It was actually the first of anything. He didn't just create day there. He created quantity because it was the first first. He created time because it was duration of day. So he created a couple things there. Some we could see, some we can't see. But he created day how? Let's look at the process of the creation. Verse 4, go back to that. God saw the light. Everybody say, God saw the light. This is not a passive phrase. You've got to read the Bible, and you've got to stop, and you've got to pause, and you've got to look at it. And if you look at this, when God saw the light, he wasn't just looking at something. There's two Hebrew words to see. One means to look at. One means to look into, basically. This word is the Hebrew word ra, R-A-A-H. It means to look perceptively at something. It's actually the Old Testament word for prophet. The Old Testament, their prophets were called seers, ones who could see things that weren't apparent to other people. They were seers. So God was, when God was seeing the light, he was actually prophetically looking at the purpose that the light was to accomplish. He was seeing not just this now, when I look at you, I could say, boy, I see a lot of people. Or I could say, I see potential in you to do this, right? You could look at your kids or you could start to see them and see their potential. You could look at their behavior or you could actually see the potential in them. You could look at their problem or you could see the potential in them. So God saw the light. The second thing that happened is verse 5. God called the light day. The darkness he called night, and then there was evening and morning the first day. So God saw the light, and then God called the light. Just say, God called the light. Okay, there's two things that had to happen for light to become day. God had to see it prophetically, and then he had to say something about it. I want to give you a simple definition of prophecy, okay? Prophecy is seeing what God sees and saying what God says. Simple. And if you see what God sees, it's a lot easier to say what God says. If you know what you want to say about something, but you're not seeing it from God's perspective, you actually might say the wrong thing. That's why it's so important in prayer that we actually have God's perspective. Because we might get frustrated with a political leader, for example, not naming any names because there's a lot of them out there to get frustrated with. But we can't pray for our leaders if we can't see them the way God sees them. And if we see them the way God sees them, then we can pray the way God intends us to pray. So it's super important, right? And light didn't become day until God saw it and called it day. Say, see it, say it. Don't spray it. <laughs> say it, don't spray it, okay? 
All right. I'm a little excited about that. The reason why is because watch what happens next. It gets very, very cool. Because you might say, well, that's God. I'm not God. You're not God. You can't do what God did. Okay. I won't even argue with you on that point, even though if you made that point, I'd say, I think you're wrong. Because Jesus said, the works that I do, you can do. But let's just say that was God in creation. Watch this. Look at Genesis 2. I'm hopefully making you think. I'm hopefully provoking you. I'm not trying to be um, sarcastic or, or, or disrespectful at all. I'm hopefully provoking your thinking. And I hope it creates some questions for you. Because I'd love to have a conversation. Verse 19 of Genesis 2. Remember the two things God did? God saw and God said, right? God called. Okay, so Adam and Eve created in God's image and likeness, right? And he creates them in his image and likeness to be like him. And in verse 19, we see that he brings Adam and Eve into the creative process. Now, in this point in this story, Eve hasn't been pulled out of Adam's side, so they're together. But for this illustration, I'm just going to pull her out for a second. Like, so they're, now they're Together. By the way, when Adam and Eve received the breath of God, they were both one being. So Eve received the Holy Spirit, if you will, the breath of God at the same time. So I'm of the opinion that women have the same anointing, authority, image and likeness of God, ministry potential as man. We have different roles and functions, and God made male, female differently on purpose to be celebrated. But in terms of receiving the Holy Spirit and the breath of God, came at exactly the same time. Women didn't get like a second wind. They got the full breath of God at the same time. So if you don't like that, take it up with God. He chose to do that. All right. So verse 19, Genesis 2. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky, and he brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever man called each living creature, that was its name. We only need that one verse. That's all we need. So God forms out of the ground, the dirt, dust, let's call it chaos, darkness, and emptiness. He forms out of the dirt and dust, animals, and he brings them to man to see. Everybody say, for man to see. So God has now given man the ability, same word, prophetic seer. You were created with a prophetic seer gift. It's not just a New Testament outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's actually something that's part of the image of God inside of you. So when you became a new creation... You're actually better than the old creation. And so you can see from God's perspective. And so he brings this dirt and dust to man to see. And whatever man called him, that's what it became. Now that right there flips me out a little bit, to be honest with you. Because why would God do such a thing? Why would he give that kind of power, that kind of responsibility to dirt and dust? Because his breath is in it. And when God's breath is in it, he can breathe on dirt and dust. And when he breathes on dirt and dust, it looks like him. (laughs) Can I tell you, when God breathes on the dirt and dust of your life, he causes the dirt and dust to look like him. The things in your life that are messy and nasty and dirty and dusty, he just goes, and it looks like him. I don't know how that happens. It doesn't seem fair, but that's why it's called the good news, because it's not fair news, it's good news. It's not just news, it's good news. Jesus took justice so that you can have mercy. (laughs) Jesus took judgment so that you could have, it looks like me. I have no idea 
why, but I love it because I don't have to do anything but just receive the breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. And so Adam has the breath of God in him. And God forms this animal. Help me out over here. What's your name, buddy? Amar? Omar. Amar. Not Omar. Amar. Like, like Amore. Okay. So he takes dirt and dust and, and he forms into this creature, right? And it's got uh, floppy ears and a wagging tail and a tongue that goes. <sighs> and he says, man, what do you see, Amare? What do you see? A dog. A man, man called it a dog. And then the dog looked at Amar and said, roof. <laughs> because it became what man called it. It didn't become a dog until man saw it and called it a dog. It, it needed someone to see it and call it something. And there's dirt and dust walking out there that's looking for, needs someone to see it and call it what it is. There are people out there walking in darkness that need to be able to be seen by someone who's in the light and say, hey, that's not who you are. You're born to be created to be a son of God. You're not called to do that. You're called to be his child. And so when he looks at the dirt and dust, calls it a dog, it becomes a dog. But we have to kind of let, we have to get Eve into this. Let's not let the girls out. And so God takes a, another pile of dirt and dust and forms it into this cute little creature who's going to help me out. How about you who overslept today? I mean, <laughs> that's a nice shirt. I like that. <laughs> and so he brings it to Eve, this cute little creature with a fluffy, fluffy fur and a sandpaper tongue and whiskers and these pointy ears. And he says, what do you see? What would you call it? And you would say a cat, a nice little kitty cat. And Adam looks at it and says, I command every demon out of this evil creature. Because everybody knows that Adam was not a cat person. And because cats came after the fall. They swear they came. <laughs> Sorry, that's not true. Here's the point. Look, the, beef, the first thing that the first creation did before he was blessed and told to multiply the earth, before he ate of the tree and sinned, before Jesus came, before that, the first thing was to co-create with God. That's why I believe, Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, because I believe without people on the earth that can see what God sees and say what God says, we are destined to live in a world filled with chaos, darkness, and emptiness. But there's people that can say, let there be light. So, yes, I admit it. I am totally a prophecy geek. I totally geek out about prophecy. You cut me, I believe prophecy. Why? I, because I believe that you, it's the heart of the gospel right here. You don't even, you don't, I love the New Testament. I love the cross. I love Isaiah and atonement. But right here, the gospel is right here in Genesis. The good news, the best news that you're created in God's image and likeness. And when he breathes on your dirt and dust, it becomes life. So you say, well, that's cool. It's good for the Old Testament. It's good for Genesis. But all right, I want you to go to one more scripture. And then we're going to put this into practice and we're going to have fun with this. And, and the reason I like to have fun is because I think it's easier to learn when you're having fun. So I don't want you to get really intense about what we're going to do in a second. But just so you know, Everyone in this room is going to prophesy tonight. Okay. 
you're not really. You're just going to see and say what God says. All right? <laughs> Does that sound easier? You're going to see and say what God says. And everybody said? Okay, there you go. All right. Tough crowd tonight. It's all right. We need to get you stretched a little bit. And a little bit nervous, but we'll loosen you up in a second. Go to verse 43 of John chapter 1. And, and this is really important. Genesis 1 through 3, John 1 through 3, if you put them next to each other, one is a picture of the first creation, one is a picture of the new creation. In fact, I don't remember who it was. One, one theologian calls John 1 through 3 the eight days of the new creation, which is very interesting. I actually thought I came up with that until I taught it somewhere, and it went to a friend of mine's office. His, he has like three PhDs. And he goes, you know, so-and-so, he, this guy, I sit with him, and I won't tell you his name, but he, he's one of the guys who wrote the foreword to my book, and he's, like, super smart, and, and it's not Bill Johnson, but Bill Johnson's super smart, but it's Mark Sharona, he's smart. He's got, like, I don't know, three PhDs. He's, he always comes up with books and people that I never heard of. He's like, yeah, that's called the eight days of new creation. He's been teaching that for a hundred years, you know, or something. I'm like, oh, great. I thought it was a new revelation. Turns out it's a hundred year old revelation. All right. So this is a picture of the new creation. Actually, you're going to see a correlation between Genesis 2.19 and John 1 right here. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip, verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel. Everybody say Nathaniel out loud. Because I want you to print, imprint this in your head who we're talking about. Because we just said a lot of names. Nathaniel. And he told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. About who the prophets wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Now watch this. Verse 47 is the key to everything we're going to talk about right now. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. When Jesus saw, everybody say Jesus saw. He said of him, say Jesus said. So he just spoke something prophetically. What did he say? Here is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Verse 48. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. But you will see greater things than that. He added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open. The angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. I want to just quickly walk you through this, and I don't want you to get too bogged down, but I want you to see three distinct spiritual gifts that Jesus operated in in a very natural conversation. Jesus never once said, thus saith the Lord, because that would be thus saith himself, so that would be almost redundant. Thus saith me, oh, this is me saying it. So Jesus saw him, he said of him, but he didn't actually like do it in a prayer form. He didn't do it in a formal form. He's actually just having a conversation with a guy he's just met. He sees him approaching him and he says, here's an Israelite in whom there's nothing false or here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. When he sees him, he immediately says something about him. This is actually not prophecy. 
This is actually the gift of discerning of spirits. And it's actually one of the revelatory or gifts of revelation that's in the Bible. That means when God reveals something to you that only he knows. So the word discerning of spirits literally means to divide the breath. The, the word spirit means pneuma or in the New Testament. It means breath. Now you have to go back to the beginning. Where did we first see breath in the Bible? The spirit of God, the breath of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. And God said, and the spirit of God breathed life into man. And, God, and they took God's image and likeness. So the, the idea is that the breath of God is that in, in man actually brings his image and his likeness. So the discerning of spirits is actually a gift that we can look at people that don't have God's spirit in them and see them. We can discern the spirit of God in them. We can discern what they would be like if they had the spirit of God in them. We can discern, let me prove that to you, scripturally. When Jesus was resurrected, the first time he met with his disciples, he walked through a wall, and the Bible says, and Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the breath of God. Receive the breath of God. What was he doing? He was putting back the image and likeness of God into the disciples that was lost in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, the breath of God, if you will, metaphorically, was knocked out of them. Sin knocked the wind out of you. Jesus came to put the breath back in you. And that was salvation. So the discerning of spirits is the ability to be able to see someone with the breath of God back in them. I'm going to give you an illustration of that in a second. The second thing he does is when Nathaniel asked him, how do you know me? This is, this will freak you out. Verse 48. Jesus said, well, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. What's that? That's a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is something that we can't know in the natural, but God reveals to us, right? He was actually seeing, and there's many ways to see, he was seeing Nathaniel in the past, so he was literally looking outside of eternity and saying, you are sitting under a fig tree. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time about different ways of seeing and different dimensions of seeing because we could go there, but you could buy the CDs and they're back there. But this is what's important, and I want you to pick this up. Do you remember when we read the story? Let me pick someone to tell me. What? How, how about you? What's your name? No, not Omar. Omar, her. her. Bear. Perla, Perla, I can say it. I can do it with a Spanish accent. Perla. Okay, Pearl. Um, <laughs> rolls off the tongue better for me, but it's much more beautiful if you say Perla. Okay, so um, what did Nathaniel say when Philip came? He was sitting under the fig tree. When Philip said, hey, come see this guy. Do you remember what he said about Jesus? No, next. Before that. Go, you have to go backwards, remember? So, so nothing good. You remember that one? Okay. How about ruby? Is there a ruby here or diamond? No, just kidding. Another stone. Okay. So what he said was this. He said, he's from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Remember that? You guys remember that? Okay, with me? Okay, I know it was probably like 20 minutes ago, and you're like, what? You, like, you quoted like 10 scriptures in between that time. So when Nathaniel 
was under the fig tree. Philip said, come see the one the prophets talked about. He said, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Jesus said, I saw you while you're sitting under the fig tree. If you're Nathaniel, what would your next thought be? Oh, wait a second here. If he saw me, did he hear me? Did he hear me, what I said about him? Because look, I've been in that awkward situation before when I thought someone didn't hear me and I said what I really thought about them. There's no denying that. I was like, uh, and so if someone said, yeah, you were on the phone five minutes ago in the other room, but I heard what you said about me. Or if they, they don't even have to say I heard what you said. Yeah, I heard you on the phone five minutes ago. But Jesus said, I saw you while you're sitting under the fig tree. What didn't Jesus say? Jesus never said, and I heard what you said about me. You think Jesus knew? I think he knew. I mean, if he saw him sitting in the fig tree, he had to have heard him, heard him, right? But what I love about Jesus is he doesn't say what he knows about Nathaniel that doesn't match up with what God sees about Nathaniel. He doesn't point out. Let me just make it plain for you guys. The gift of prophecy is not to point out people's sins. It's none of your business. If God's forgotten about it, why do you bring it up? There's only one person who wants to bring up your sins, and that's the devil, because he accuses you before God day and night. That's what it says. The accuser of the brethren comes before the throne of God, the judge of the universe, and he accuses you before God day and night. And sitting at the right hand of the Father is the Son. And he's like, talk to the hand, devil. You see the nail scars in my hand? By my blood, their sins are forgiven. See, I don't have any right to bring up somebody else's sin that God doesn't bring up. It doesn't mean that there aren't some times where God will approach us in love as a father disciplines his son to give us correction or direction to help us to grow. But punishing someone for their sin is not what God does. He already punished Jesus for your sin. He disciplines you, and it's so that you can become more like him. There's a difference between discipline and punishment. There's a difference between pointing out someone's sin and helping them to grow. And it has to do with perspective. So Jesus doesn't say, I heard what you said. He actually just gives him this word of knowledge. And what does Nathaniel do? I repent. Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. So immediately repentance, change of thinking takes place in his heart. That's what repentance is. He changed his thinking about who Jesus is. And he confesses, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And I would say to you, this is the greatest tool for evangelism that there is for the believer today in relationship with people, is to help them to see who God is by helping them to see what God thinks about them. Because Jesus never had to reveal himself to Nathaniel. All Jesus had to do is reveal to Nathaniel how God felt about Nathaniel. And as soon as Nathaniel understood that this God of the universe that created him, that, that, that came in a form that he didn't understand that was offensive to him, came from a city that was offensive to him, but yet when he was confronted with it and he wasn't confronted with his own sin, when God revealed to him what he thought about him and what he felt about him, how he really saw him, that he had the ability now to see Jesus for who he was. Jesus didn't reveal himself to Nathaniel. Jesus revealed Nathaniel to Nathaniel. And when Nathaniel saw himself as God saw him, he was able to see Jesus as God saw him. 
That's the greatest tool for evangelism. And he, then Jesus prophesies. Okay, now we get the prophecy. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. But you will see greater things than that, he added. Very truly, I, w- I tell you, you will see heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So now he's actually speaking things that are not as though they were. He's speaking into the future. He's covered everything. He's seen Nathaniel from God's perspective in the present. He's gone back to Nathaniel's past, reshaped God's perspective of him. He's allowed him to come to see himself as a new creation. And now he tells him, this is what you're going to do, prophecy. Very simple. It was actually a simple conversation. I unwrapped it a little bit for you. But basically it happened like this. Hey, Nathaniel, you're the kind of guy that loves the truth. You speak the truth. You love the truth. There's no deceit in you. How do you know me? I saw you while you're sitting under the fig tree. When your friend Philip came to you, you saw me. Oh, my God. You must be the son of God, the king of Israel. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You got that right. But, man, you're going to see greater things than that. You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You're going to see the unseen realm. To me, this isn't just a great prophecy about Nathaniel. It's actually a hilarious joke, to me, to be honest with you. Because what is the gift that he gives this guy who basically says, if I don't see it, I won't believe it? He gives him the ability to see things that nobody will believe. I just happen to take this another step further. Like Nathaniel looks up and he sees angels. He sees seraphim flaming. He sees Gabriel with a sword. He sees angels. And he runs back to Philip, who's still over there going, I should have never introduced my friend Nathaniel to Jesus. He's going to go and say the wrong thing to him. He's going to go tell him off and tell him nothing good comes from Nazareth. And he goes back to Philip. Hey, Philip, I met your friend Jesus. And guess what? I can see angels now. You can see what? I can see angels. Don't you see one right now? There's a flaming angel right there. So Nathaniel goes from being a skeptic to being a lunatic, basically. (laughs) And that's exactly what's going to happen to some of you after tonight. (laughs) And thank God I don't have to deal with you. Pastor Paul can deal with you. All right, just saying. All right. I don't think you have to be crazy to be supernatural. It's called supernatural, okay? But I also do believe there are some things about our faith that seem crazy to other people. Speaking in tongues sounds crazy, but it's also a beautiful thing because when I speak mysteries from my spirit, I pray things that I don't understand, and I would rather pray things I don't understand than pray what I shouldn't pray. So instead of praying against someone, I pray for them through the Spirit. If I, if I don't know how to pray, I pray in the Spirit. I, I can speak to someone very naturally, but I, to them what, what seems natural might seem very, very supernatural to them. But to me, it seems natural. Let me give you an illustration to this. I, was doing a, I used to do this series of conferences called Schools of Power and Love. I did them for seven years. We did 76 of them with a bunch of friends of mine. And we were doing one in Jacksonville, Florida. And basically what I did is I had already been training churches. Basically something like we're doing this weekend. That's what I used to do like 15 years ago. So I'm literally, I've gone retro this weekend. And so I took that training and we folded it into Power Love. And we had some other guys that were really good at teaching other parts of the spiritual gifts. So on a Friday night in Jacksonville, Florida, I was getting ready to, to preach. It was at a hotel, a conference center. 
And there's probably about maybe six or 700 people there. I was in my hotel room getting ready for the meeting. It was just upstairs. I, was, I, had, I remember I had some worship music on. I can't say I was praying, but I had some worship music on. I happened to look outside of the window of the hotel, outside of my window in my hotel room, and the pool was right outside of my window there. And I looked out there, and there was nobody swimming in the pool, but I saw this picture, this quick vision. And in this vision, there was a young man who got into the pool in the shallow end. He walked into the deep end, and then he went underneath the water. And I saw this happen twice really quick in this vision, and I really didn't remember it. I just didn't register in my consciousness at that time. But when I went down to the meeting that night, we had a great worship, great teaching. Of course it was great because I was teaching. And then we had just a lot of people pray. It was a really good night. It's around 11 o'clock, and I had people stand up to close the service. We were going to come back 9 o'clock the next morning for some more training and just doing stuff. We had send people out in the street to pray for people. It was a fun time. So I stood everybody up, and I'm out to pray. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a man standing in the back, and he's the guy that was in my vision. So I asked him to come forward. I said, hey, I had this weird vision of you this, morning, this afternoon. Can you come down here? And he came to the front, and I told him what I saw. I saw you get into the hotel pool. You went into the shallow end. Then you got into the deep end, and you were completely immersed. And that happened twice. And I said, I feel like this means that God is just taking you deeper in things of God. That like you've been in the shallow end. He's taking you to the deeper end. You're going to go over your head, and you're going to get to know God in ways you never did before. And people just clapped, and they were happy. And I didn't think it was that profound of a moment, but I, I said, that's great. And he went back to his seat. People are still standing. I said, let's pray. We're going to close the service. And before I could get the words out to pray, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, ask right now if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus. So after just a moment of kind of debating with God whether this would work or not, I said, hey, is there anyone here before we close the service that wants to give their life to Jesus? If you've never given your life to Jesus, this would be a perfect time. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask for any music or, or close your eyes. Just raise your hand right now. And only one person out of the whole group raised their hand. And it was the guy that was just standing in front of me, back in his seat. And I'm like, come on down again. He runs down to the front and he gets saved. I lead him in this awesome sinner's prayer. Everybody cheers. It was really happy. And then he looks at me and he says this, hey, is there any possibility I could get baptized in the hotel pool tonight? I'm like, oh, that's what the vision meant. (laughs) Now I get it. Everything makes perfect sense. And we did a baptism in the hotel pool that night, which was super fun and cold. And so even in Florida, it was pretty chilly. And so the next day I went to lunch with him and his cousin. We went to lunch and I asked him, his name was, I won't tell you his name just in case. But anyway, he's, I said, can you tell me your spiritual journey? Tell me how you came to know Jesus this week. He said, well, I'm from another country. I'm from a certain country. My family is from a faith that worships many gods. We have a household temple that has hundreds of gods. My cousin, he came to know Jesus. A couple years ago, he told me Jesus is the one true God. I wasn't sure about that. He said, but one day at my temple, I was praying to my other gods, and I said, Jesus, if you're the one true God, show me who, the, who you are. And I was, th- I was thinking he was going to tell me, like, all the other gods fell down. That would have been a great story. But he's like, no. Nah. He said, I've just been on this journey. He said, and then when I came here and you said what you said, I'm like, that has to be, that has to be God because that's my journey. He said, so I gave my life to Jesus. I'm like, that's awesome. Prayed with him, got him a Bible. They were going back to their country after this conference. So I went back to my hotel room and had a conversation with God because I always try to learn. And I actually had the impression like I messed up. 
because I know I almost closed that service without asking some, anybody to get saved. Like, I could have sent him out without the opportunity to get saved. I could have sent him out. The other thing was, he was actually standing in front of me, face to face, and I didn't know that he was from a faith that worshiped many gods. Like, I could have said something like, hey, don't worship many gods. Burn your idols, you know, destroy your high places or something like that. I'm, I literally was thinking, like, God, I missed it. And I prayed this prayer, God, please help me to do better at hearing you because I missed it. And I don't want to miss it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you didn't miss it. I didn't have a theological grid for what he was about to tell me, but it's, it's here in John 1. He said, I showed you that young man the way I see him. I can't show you him any other way. I, can't, I didn't create him to worship many gods, so I can't show you him worshiping gods. I created him to be my son. I showed you him a new creation. And when you said what I said about him, he became. You gave him permission to become what I said. Now, he still had to pray the prayer, confess with his mouth. But because I saw him and called him, he became aware of who he was. See why I'm excited about this? It's powerful. So we're going to pray that God would help us. Because tonight, you're going to be able to look at someone and just say, hey, you're the kind of person that Loves peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Might be something as simple as that. I chose something silly because and it's actually a real one that, that I've done before. I, I was doing this little exercise I'm going to teach you at a class. And <clears throat> there was an, an odd number of pre- people. So I got paired up with a lady. and I, I had to go first. And I said, you see, you're the kind of person that loves peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And she looked at me like, what? And I looked at myself like, what? And I said, and God's going to use this in your life because you're going to give food to children that are hungry. And you're going to feed children that are without, that have lack. And she said, that's the strangest thing because I'm the lunch lady. <laughs> and when, I, when kids don't have lunch, we give them a free lunch that's peanut butter and jelly. And I'm like, hallelujah for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Now, I think that's cool because God cares about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because he cares about kids without food because he cares about a lady who thinks her job is insignificant, but it's super significant in the kingdom. Does that make sense to you? So you're going to get to do this. I am now giving you the best job in the world. I want everybody to stand with me to your feet. All right. And we're going to take about 10 minutes to do this, and then we're going to do some uh, feedback. So what I want you to do is just move around a little bit and connect with someone that you didn't come with, maybe that you might don't know, okay? Don't, just do, don't do anything but introduce yourself, your first name to them. Say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so. And you could just turn around in your seat, or you might have to move a little bit. I'm going to give you this, literally 20 seconds to do this, all right? So stop being introverts and do this. All right. <clears throat> All right. Perfect. If you don't have a partner yet, put your hand up in the air so I can see you. All right. Find someone with their hand up and they become your partner. Okay. So look around with, keep your hand up until you find somebody else. Okay. And I need someone to come all the way to the front.
All right. Sir in the green shirt. There we go. Come on up. If you don't have a partner, come to the front. Keep your hand up and find somebody else. All right. Okay, if you have a partner, just, just wait a minute. Don't talk, please. Perfect. Almost there. Almost there. All right, everybody look this way, please. Look this way. Look, look at me, please. All right. Who still needs a partner? Put your hand way up so I can see it. All right. Okay. So what I need is everyone that has your hand up. I don't know why you guys have your hand up standing around each other, but you can partner up. Okay. Just, I don't have a friend. I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. I don't have friends. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Come on up, sir. How about you connect with this? Uh, you have a partner yet, sir? All right. You, how about you, sir? You connect with this guy. Even if you know him a little bit, that's okay. This will still work. Don't worry. This isn't, this, this isn't rocket science. All right. All right. You guys are partnered up. You get her? Okay, how can you go with her? Even if you know her, that's fine. Anybody still missing a partner? That's fine. All right, if you, have a, if you still don't have a partner, go to match.com. Okay, just kidding. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, are you guys doing this together back there? Or, yeah, so we have, a, we have a three. Are you guys a threesome here? Uh, okay, Pastor, perfect. All right, good. All right, super. This is super easy. All right, it's th- just simple instructions, two simple statements you're going to make, Okay. Everybody look at me. I need you to look at me. Okay. All right. Two simple statements. You're going to say first this. When you look at your partner, you're going to say, you're the kind of person that, and then whatever comes to your heart, just say it. Don't try to, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to judge it. I thought peanut butter and jelly sandwiches wasn't very good, but it worked out okay. Okay. Trust God that if you ask him for bread, he won't give you a stone. Okay. So you're going to see your partner and you're going to say something. You're the kind of person that, let's practice that together. Ready? You're the kind of person that... Okay, it's not that hard, right? I feel like Mr. Rogers. Okay, second statement you're going to make is this. And God's going to use this in your life in this way. And then you're going to say whatever comes to your heart, okay? Don't worry if it doesn't sound right to you because the third step will make everything okay. You're just going to pray for them then and say, God, I don't know if this made any sense to them, but please let... But, but no, just say it and trust that it makes some sort of sense. And to just pray that God would bless them and use them in whatever way he wants to with that thing. Okay? No worries. So the hardest part of this, that's the easiest part. The hardest part is deciding who's going to go first because that's scary. So I'll decide that for you. Okay? Everybody look this way. Look this way. The first person is going to be Jesus. The second person is going to be Nathaniel. And Jesus is going to look at Nathaniel and say, you're the kind of person that God's going to use this in your life in this way. And then pray for them. And then as soon as they say amen, the second person is going to become Jesus. And then the first person is going to become Nathaniel. So the first person who will be Jesus first, because you're both going to get to be Jesus. But the one who's going to be Jesus first is the one who looks more like Jesus. More Christ-like. So determine which of you is more Christ-like. Just kidding. We're going to say since Jesus had long hair, the person with the longest hair will be Jesus first, okay? All right. Or the person with any hair. All right. So, so all the people who are Jesus first, raise your hand. And all you follically challenged people will be just second. Okay. All right. I'm going to pr- hold on. Hold on. I'm going to pray for you first because you guys seem like you really need the prayer. So Jesus, help us. 
to see people the way you see them, say what you want to say to them, and we thank you that you created us to do this. So it's natural and super for us to do. We love you, and we thank you that you're here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Jesus number one, go, and then Jesus number two goes after that. Go ahead. Yeah, as soon as the first person prays and they're finished, then the second person goes. So go ahead and flip rolls if you haven't got there yet. Okay, after, if you're both finished, then you go ahead and take your seats. If you're both finished, if you're both finished, you can take your seats. If you're finishing up, that's fine. Take a, take a minute or so to finish up. We're almost ready to roll here. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Just so I can get a gauge on this, if you're both finished, just do me a favor, clap your hands. Okay? It's about, about three quarters of you. Okay? So a couple of people still finishing up. That's totally cool. All right. Just while the other people are finishing up, those of you are done. All right. Look at me. How many of you were a little bit, like, scared before you did that? How many of you honestly were like, I'm not sure about this? Okay. How many of you felt like that went pretty good? Like, I wasn't so bad. I didn't hurt anybody. All right, that's good. From my perspective, it's really beautiful to see. Um, the Bible says prophecies for encouragement. And I saw a lot of people smiling, being encouraged. And so, you know, when you go out and talk to somebody out there, don't say, can I give you a word from God? Because they might call the police on you. But you could say, hey, can I tell you something that can make you smile? Sure, you're the kind of person that, but God's going to use this in you. I just have a feeling that God's going to use this in your life in this way. Do you believe in God? Well, he believes in you. So there's a whole bunch of stories we could tell in regard to that. But what I want to do is um, first a couple of things. We're going to take just a few uh, questions in a second. But I would love to just hear first from one person who'd be willing to share what their partner shared to them and how it encouraged you. Anybody feel bold enough to do that? Okay, you want to just tell us? You can stay right where you're at, and we'll use the microphone for that. And then you can get ready with your uh, a couple questions, and then we're going to pray in a second. Pastor's going to close the service in a little bit. Okay, what happened? Um, what did your partner say to you? So Sharif just said that I um, seem like a person that's basically very outgoing and that, you know, me being the first one to come up to someone and say hello, like being the initiator is going to mm-hmm. help me bring more people to God. And, um, and that really like hit me hard today because I was telling him I spent the day crying. I spent the day not being my normal smiley sunshine self. And I spent the day wondering if I even wanted to be around anybody. Yeah. And uh, through that, he still saw my normal, bubbly, social self. That's very cool. So Who was her partner? Who was that? Yeah, isn't that great? You're, look how refreshed he looks by refreshing you. Isn't that great? <laughs> he refreshes everything for fresh. So that's really awesome. And, and that's good that he saw you that way. Let me tell you something else, too, because sometimes people that are that way, they're, they're, they're giving themselves so much that sometimes they don't take time for themselves. And I just feel like the Lord is bringing you to a period where you can take care of yourself 
you know. And I saw this funny picture of you, almost like, um, you know, a cosmetologist that, like, you know, fixes people up, does their makeup, cuts their hair. But I saw you, like, in the mirror, like, caring for yourself, taking care of yourself. And I just feel like the Lord said, it's okay to take care of yourself sometimes, not just take care of other people. And that he, he loves to take care for you. It's one of the things he says that you can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And there's a lot of times you've been the caretaker in people's lives. And not only have you taken care of them, but you've taken their cares on you. And God just wants you to be able to like flip their cares on him. And one of the cares that you have is um, I feel like there's, there's just a real strong uh, burden that's been laid on you vocationally, what you're doing. And I feel like there's a coming a time for a change that God's going to initiate for you. And you've been feeling it for a while but you're not going to go out on a bad note. You're going to go out on a good note. And when you go out, you're going to go out with joy. And I want you to go home and I want you to read Isaiah 55. Just remember that, 55. Read the end of the chapter. It says, you'll go out with joy. You'll be led forth with peace. And that's where you're going to exit with joy and peace. And you're going to go into your new season with a lot of happiness. So bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to this cool couple back here because they came all the way from New Jersey, which we bless. You're not a couple. These people, interesting people, sorry, for nice people. I'm not saying you're a couple. You're a couple of people that came to church tonight. And uh, <laughs> she said that really fast. Like, wow. So what did you do on the way here? Just kidding. All right. So um, what's your name, sir? Jim. How you doing, Jim? Um, Jim, I just feel like God's made you, uh, he's given you a gift of coaching people and helping them to overcome uh, obstacles in their life that have been barriers to break through certain limitations in their life. Uh, and I feel like the Lord's going to use you to be like a discipler for people in, in spiritual gifts that's going to help them to actually grow to a new place in their life. And I feel like sometimes you feel like in the space where you're at that you're limited um, in, in the things of God. But I, I feel like you're an example that God wants to use experts and newbies. Some people want to even like peg you like, you're just a newbie at this. Why don't you just st- t- stick around and learn? And God's like, he's got you on the job training. You're learning on the job and you're going to help other people get on the job with you and learn. But the other thing I felt like there's also a gift of doing like natural discipleship and spiritual sh- discipleship together. And I saw you like helping people uh, like uh, physically and nutritionally and even like through like uh, athletics that you were going to help people discipline their life in a way that actually was going to be spiritual, spiritual discipline and natural discipline uh, will come together. And also I feel like there's a new um, season for you of learning. And I saw you like open up like a brand new Bible and when you open up a brand new Bible, you started marking it and it started to become like almost like I this stuff. I, I it's you're not a newbie at it. It's like stuff that you feel like it's all new, but you're learning it so fast and you're going to help other people grow in it. And what's your name, lady? What is it? Christina. Hi, Christina. Everybody say hi, Christina. So nice to see you. Christina, there's a healing gift in you, um, and you've been really pressing out in the gift of healing and reaching out and taking risks, and God wants you to know he's going to reward your risks, and I feel like there's some people around you think you're a little crazy, 
uh, for like taking the risks you take. But I just feel like the Lord says, you ain't nothing compared to what you're going to be there. You're really going to be crazy in the next season because I feel like you're pressing into a place really where there's even creative miracles that are going to start to happen. And I see God opening up doors for you to even take like spiritual healing into like medical environments and to open up a door where you're going to actually be invited in to places where people are even terminally ill and be able to pray for them. And don't view it as just practice, but you're already doing the real thing. You're not practicing anymore. You're actually doing this with God, and it's not practice. It's the real thing. Um, Also, I I feel like there's um, like a discipleship, a more intensive discipleship that God wants you to bring bring you into. It's almost like a residential place, almost like it may even require... Uh, a geographic change for you. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know, don't be afraid of going to a place where you can learn and grow to a greater level because God's going to go with you and he's already there waiting for you. And so I just feel like there's even like a school of the supernatural or some sort of discipleship school that you're going to learn in that you're actually going to then bring back and help other people learn the things that you learn. So just bless you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So Quickly, let's just take a couple minutes, and if you have like this question, it's super burning in you, like I have to ask this question, or, or maybe it's not even burning, it's just a question you've had, so let's do that, and I'll try to keep my answers short, and yeah. Yeah, that's you. Oh, um, when did you know you were a prophet? Like, when did God, that defining moment in your life? Yeah, you never know. I mean, to people tell you, but yeah, I mean, I think if I look back in my life, um, I could always hear God's voice. I just didn't know it was God's voice. I had, so then the first time I remember he- hearing God was I opened up the scriptures, probably eight or nine years old, Romans eight, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. I remember sitting, reading that on the edge of my bed and I can still see a tear hit the page. So that was like God speaking to me, not just a scripture. Right around the same time, I developed a lot of nightmares and night terrors, and fear came into my life. And instead of letting perfect love drive out fear, I let fear drive out God's voice in love. So I actually shut down um, the voice of the Lord and any voices that were outside of me because I was afraid of it. Um, And then when I experienced God in a new way, um, it reactivated that. And I didn't know anything about prophecy. I told Pastor my story today. I just would go around. I was an Assembly of God revivalist. I would pray for people. And pastors would say to me, hey, you were saying everything. You are praying everything that was going on in my people's life tonight. How did you know that stuff? I'm like, what do you mean? I was just praying. He said, no, I counsel them. I know their issues. You prayed everything that's going on in their life. And then one guy said, I think that's prophecy. I said, but I was taught in Bible school that we don't do that anymore. So I had to actually relearn some things. I had to unlearn some things I'd learned and relearn them. Um, and then you go through a process. So in terms of being a prophet, it sounds like a big word to people. It's, 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 a, it's an assignment. It's a function. Just like I'm a dad. I'm a husband. My function to the body of Christ is to be able to help people hear what God is saying, help them to hear God for themselves. And then there's some parts of that that's maybe broader because I, you know, I have assignments to nations to leaders of nations and things like that. But that doesn't, that's not every prophet. It just happens to be me. Um, so I would hesitate using the title. I don't use it now. My name's Bob, so the word prophet doesn't go well with it anyway. <laughs> prophet Bob. Like, sounds more like a cartoon character, to be honest with you. Bob the Tomato, Bob the Builder. The Prophet Bob doesn't sound really, but 
I tried to change my name to Robert for a while. Prophet Robert. Profeta Roberto. <laughs> when I go to South America, that's what they call me. Profeta. And that I, other people started telling me, actually, friends of mine, like, you're a prophet. I'm like, mm, not really. I don't believe in prophets. Then they're like, you don't believe in yourself then. So it's scary if people tell you they're a prophet. It's better if someone else tells you they think you're one. And then you say, nah, I'm just Bob. But by the way, the Lord says. <laughs> no, no, I know what I am. I have no problem standing in the office that I have. But I don't need my office to make me feel better about myself. Say, so, good? All right. Thanks for asking the question. I think it's a valid question. Um, continue to grow in whoever you are. Once people recognize you, then. But if people don't recognize me as a prophet, I'm not one to them. Because unless you receive a prophet, you really can't receive a prophet's reward. So some people, I'm just a dad. And they need a dad. My kids need a dad, not a prophet. Bad problems in your house if you try to be a prophet to your wife. (laughs) Right? Right, Deb? Sometimes you just need to be Bobby, right? So, all right. Moving along. Any other questions? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. That raises up a bunch of questions. You're going to ask me about your husbands? No, just kidding. Um, This lady first, all right? You guys okay? You guys all right? All right. You know, I, I've tried to do a lot of reading about the prophetic. I've tried to practice. I don't have anyone really to mentor me. Mm-hmm. But I've heard some people say, well, it has to be foretelling. But then on the other hand, it's like what you speak. When you speak into someone's life, that mm-hmm. is foretelling, like what you were saying about Genesis, you know, right. light be. So. Right. I just wondered if you could maybe clear that up a little bit for me. Yeah, I think Chris Valentin has a really good teaching, if you know him from Bethel, and I know a lot of people have different versions of stuff. But he has a good teaching on forth-telling and foretelling and the difference between that. It's not a topic I get into, more conversational about things, but uh, when you mean foretelling, you mean predictive of the future, okay? And um, he would say foretelling is predictive, and then forth-telling is more creative, so it happened because I said it. Foretelling would be, it was going to happen, so I said it anyway. And which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, I, I, get, I get it, and it's important, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get caught up in it for your purposes. Um, what I would stay with is a relational version of hearing God's voice. And then if it becomes predictive, that's Okay. But don't try to be predictive. So I don't try to be predictive. I just try to be authentic. And if it happens to be predictive or if it's forth. And sometimes I don't know. Like, for instance, were you here last night? Okay. Last night I told the, play, the story about the soccer player. You guys remember? Guy, I, I said, you'll be a soccer player on your national team. I told that story one time to a classroom. And they said, do you think he would have become a national team soccer player if you wouldn't have prophesied it? I thought about it. I said, probably not because he wouldn't have believed he could have become. He needed to hear it so that he could have become. And perhaps there's part of it because it was spoken. It, it set some things in motion supernaturally that, that set up the or, that orchestrated the opportunity that there were both elements of foretelling that when he heard it, he received it, stepped into it, and actually it was forth-telling. It created circumstances for it to happen. 
but I didn't try to be either. I just tried to see and say what God said. Literally, it's that simple. Most of what I do in the prophetic that, that is that something everybody can do, I taught tonight. Pretty much if you can do what, learn just to do this simple thing, you'll discover what's unique about you and how you'll do it. So not everybody here is called to do what I do, but everybody here can do what I taught tonight. And that will set you on a path to, to really, does that, does that answer your question a little bit? So don't trust, don't try to be predictive, just be present. How about that? That's a good P, be present. And if I'm present, maybe I'll be predictive. Okay. Um, yep. I know you said that, you know, you hear, hear God, we can mm-hmm. hear from God. Have you ever had an experience where, um, that, I don't use the word feeling, I know the spirit, but the spirit dead stopped you from going someplace or doing something um, that you knew it was God and you completely changed your plan? Like you didn't hear like you normally would that he'd do something totally different that you knew you had to stop what you were doing and do exactly what he told you to do? Um, sure, and, and it happens all the time that, I go places and I have a, a knowing of something I need to do or not to do and I go there or a conversation I'm going to have and not to do. And sometimes that happens on the fly just because I'm with the Lord and I feel like, mm, don't just stop right now. Don't talk anymore. Or it could be I actually have a dream that tells me what I'm going to do. Um, there's times I go places where I, I, I know I need to go there. Um, I've had dreams about leaders that I would meet and Within a month, I have an opportunity to meet them. I think that's just to prepare my heart so whenever um, that happens, I know I'm supposed to be there, right? So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't live in this world of, like, fear, like, I shouldn't get on that plane or anything. But I've, you know, I've been in some circumstances where my schedule just gets switched around, and I'm like, oh, good thing that I got switched from that flight because that one got delayed or something. I've never had a plane crash or anything bad like that happen. But, um there's definitely been like, God just orchestrates your life. I just live my life with him. And hopefully he even keeps me from minor inconveniences. But if, if an inconvenience comes up, I try to chill about it. Cause I usually pretty, I was a pretty uptight person before I started traveling and traveling will make you a lot more flexible. Uh, but yeah, I think just live your life in relationship with him and he'll, he'll kind of orchestrate. Sometimes it might be a warning or just might be, Oh, I didn't, that didn't happen, and it could have happened. You know, maybe you'll find out, or maybe you'll never find out. Um, but there's times I've changed my schedule because the Lord said to. But normally I feel my life is pretty, you know, orderly. Sometimes people that hear God all the time and make changes all the time are just not happy with their life, and so they just want to make changes. And I don't pull the God told me card very often to pull rank on people because it doesn't work forever. Like, because you have to have a good track record with it. So I try to stay in relationship with people, make my decisions in relationship, and know if I make a change, it affects other people, that I better be sure it's God. Right? That's the way I feel about it. It's kind of natural. All right, we'll take like one or two more, and I know I've gone over time, but you guys have been really gracious. Was this helpful to you guys at all, the exercise part of things? I really wanted to do it, so hopefully it's helpful for, to you, and there's something that's imparted to you. Okay, we'll do you, and then I want to do somebody. I really want to do somebody who's like, I, literally, if you're skeptical or you have like, you know, question, like, I'm not sure about this, I want to hear that. 
because I want to be sensitive to that. I don't just want, like, yes people here. Okay. Does that mean I cannot ask you for your advice in a situation as opposed to your abilities and your gift? You mean right at this moment? Do you want me to ask, you want to ask me mean, for advice? No, I was just wondering, right. so, especially in this time, but I'm sure other people can, you know, with our church being in prayer and fasting and just mm. really trying to dive deeper and get closer to God. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's worship music, it's devotionals, it's being in the word every day, mm-hmm. it's right, journaling and speaking things out and all that stuff. And I'm getting, like, the devil's coming against me so much harder. Right, right. To the point where I'm, like, nailing things to the cross out loud and in my journal. And then five minutes later, repeating the same mistake or whatever. Okay. I'll give you some context for that if they will. I won't give you advice. scripture. Yeah. I'll just give you some some context for that. So when you cleanse naturally, what comes out? Toxins come out. So a fast is sort of like a spiritual cleanse too. <clears throat> so a lot of times during a fast or setting your face towards something dedicate, it actually feels harder at first. And, but then what happens is you through it and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is really better. Like, Oh, my, you know, my, my stomach is better. My, I have my probiotics are better, whatever it is in the natural spiritually, the same thing happens. And so, it's almost like a lot of toxins are getting released, and that's okay. And you're exercising some stuff. That's a good thing. Um, but that's a, not necessarily a prophetic question, but it's a valid question. Because sometimes when we set our face to hear God initially, it, doesn't, it feels actually like, wow, he's more silent now than he was before. That's okay. It's actually okay because the closer I am to a person, the softer I talk. So that means he's really close. He doesn't need to yell at you. And he's teaching you a a little bit different way to hear his voice. I would expect on the other side of that, there's some breakthrough that happens. Okay? So why do I feel like somebody over here has a question? And I just feel like somebody has a question. So anybody on this side that has a question? All right. Okay, this nice lady over in the corner. All right. So I know you guys have got a lot this weekend and processed a lot. So, go ahead. Um, how do you know if it really is God's voice that you hear? Because um, before coming here, I was reading about um, Abraham and him having to sacrifice his son. Like, if I feel like if I felt like God told me to do something like that, I would just think I'm crazy. Yeah. It's like the- and you would be because that's the Old Testament, and God actually didn't have him sacrifice his son. But so the point wasn't that he was supposed to sacrifice his son. But I, I get it. Like, what about something that's not murder, right? Because that wouldn't be right. We wouldn't do it. So that's not even a question. But what about something that does maybe equally crazy or risky? How do you know if it's you or God? Here's what, here's what I would say. <clears throat> we don't hear God in a vacuum. We hear God in, in a relationship with other people. Now, there's times when I've made decisions like God told me this, where I'm going to go to college, and I put my faith for this. And, you know, I did have confirmation from my parents and stuff like that. But mostly, if I make the mistake in picking the wrong college, I'm the one that has to deal with that. But if I'm hearing God for decisions that affect other people, that puts a responsibility on me in, in relationship to get some feedback. And there's a lot of things. There's one of my 
classes I teach, there's three tests, right? There's a scripture test. If it violates scripture, throw it out. Number two, there's a, a spirit test. That there's a spirit inside of you witness to what's going on because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And then there's a confirmation or a relationship test. And that's the people around you. So it's really important when the decision you're making or what you're hearing affects more than just you that you're hearing from more than just what you think is God. Because the question is, how do I know if it's me or God? I don't always know until it happens. And that's just true. I mean, even when we're speaking, how many have ever thought, even when you're doing the exercise tonight, I don't know if this is me or God. How many of you felt a little bit of that? If you're honest, we all have that. I have that every time I speak to someone. Every single time. What I have to do is realize, first of all, part of the answer to that question is, is it me or God? Is yes, it's me and God. And part of that answer to that question is, I can't let that question keep me from taking a risk. So, yes, you need to get confirmation, scripture, spirit test, relationship test, confirmation from leadership, whatever you want to call that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And do you have a son? Oh, so, okay. So, thank God, because I wasn't sure if we, like, really needed an intervention or not. <laughs> like, <sighs> all right. I've been in a lot of weird places, so, you know, it, it wouldn't be unusual. Okay. Unless there's something burning on your heart, I need to pray for you guys, and I know you wanted to do something, Pastor. Well, can I ask you one question? Because yes. we hear this question a lot. Yeah. Um, hearing God's voice is like one of the most common things that people want to talk about, because if you can clearly discern God's voice, it determines the trajectory of your life. I mean, what you were talking about yesterday. So when you're doing what you're doing um, yesterday morning, evening, and tonight, what does it feel like? What does it sound like? How do you know? And you know, you just said, is it really God or is it not? You're being obedient. You're walking that out. Is it an impression? Is it a voice? Is it um, an image? Is it all of the above? What does that look like for you? Perfect. I could tell you that, but I don't want you to take my process and make it your pattern because that would be really limiting. But it is, there's a biblical pattern we just saw with Jesus. And I'll use that same pattern because it happens to me a lot. I have an impression. You're the kind of person that, right? Then I have a picture. And I see this in your life. And then... I have a, I hear something or see something for the future. So, you know, those three things, just like you have physical feelings, you can have spiritual feelings, if you will, a, an impression. You said if you have your physical sight, you can see things in the spirit. And how do you see them as actually you have an imagination? So you could imagine a giraffe here, even though there's no giraffe here. Right? You see it in your, in your finger up here. Well, you still can get pictures from God up here, even though it comes through your spirit. See a picture, and then you might hear something, words. So for me, it kind of works that way. An impression, a picture, some words. Put them all together. They sound kind of conversational. Um, That's the best way I can describe it. But don't let my process be a, a limiting pattern for you because God might have a different way of operating through you. I think a really good way to do it particularly in church to start, is start with scriptures. So like encourage people with a scripture. You'll be so surprised how encouraging it is when you go to someone, you know, I thought of you today. I thought of this scripture. And you give it to them like I did for her. And it's so safe. Like it's so safe not to get into anything directional and, and stuff like that because we really shouldn't be doing that in people's lives without of spiritual and relational authority, giving people direction for their lives. And so that makes sense too. So there's a little tip for you. Okay. 
And we, we're good? All right, I want to pray for you, and I know you want to close this, and he wants, you want to receive an offering, but I want to pray for you and just to bless you, okay? Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but I believe in that God can just deposit something in your spirit that you tomorrow can fan into flame, that you can put it into practice. Maybe this little exercise, all right? And Jesus prayed a prayer for his disciples that I'm going to pray for you, Matthew 13. And this was, I'm going to pray for you. I don't even have to close my eyes to do it. If you want to receive like this, you can. If you want to just sit there and receive, you're a good target. But Jesus came to his disciples and he said this, blessed are your eyes. They're going to see things that prophets long to see. Blessed are your ears. They're going to hear things that prophets long to hear. And blessed is your heart. It's going to understand things that prophets long to understand. And that's my prayer for you, that God would release to you the part of his nature and character that you were created to have, that you would access what God sees, what God hears, what God feels, and that you'd have the boldness and the love to speak what God says to people. So I bless you with all of Matthew 13. If you want to read that chapter, it's all about the kingdom. It might encourage you to take some steps of faith in what we've talked about. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bridge Community Church, for hanging out with me. Are you guys blessed? I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go hang out at the table. If you guys want to say hi, I'll hang out at the table. One ahead. question for you. How many, how many days this year have you been home so far? You told me the other day, and I can't remember approximately how many days have you been home. I feel like if I say this, I'm going to get rebuked. No, don't get rebuked. It's not recorded, I, and we I won't call your wife. I had six weeks off from Thanksgiving to the end of the That's year. I always, I always take time with my family. Yeah. So, um, two, I went, I left the third, so two days, and then back the seventh, and then two days, and then two, Six days. Six days. Okay. Well, today's the 21st. Yes, it's not not that bad. Sure. (laughs) It's just a busy time of the year. Everybody at the beginning of the year does these things. And so I do go home. I'll be home for a few days. My wife and I go to Dallas. Then I'll be home for two days. And then I go to Denver. Then I'll be home for three days. Then I go to Germany. And then somewhere else after that, too. I'm back. Firestorm. I'll be in in Harrisburg. Um, Chris Vallotton, I think, is going to be there, too. Todd White's going to be there. should be a really fun time. So, yes. yes. Thank you very much. I'm just asking that because we're going to take a special offering. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and uh, I just wanted to, to just acknowledge that because I know sometimes um, in the busyness of what our days look like, sometimes we just come to a weekend service. We see someone come in and speak, pour into us, and we don't think about the fact that it comes at a great cost, not just to um, their own personal well-being sometimes, but to their family and their time. And we want to honor that, and we want to bless them. Um, it's the last night that, that Bob is with us. He's going to be in the back on the way out in the lobby if you'd like to catch up with him. But before we leave, and uh, Bill, do we have enough people to be able just to take an offering as opposed to on the way out? If we could just grab a few buckets. I'm just going to ask if we would just take a few moments and if you would be able just to honor him tonight. It's the last offering that we're going to take while he's here. And, uh, and we just want to say thank you to him. We want to say thank you to the work that he's doing. Um, I hope if you've been here over the last two days, anyone's been here more than tonight, have you been blessed by him being here for the last two days? Have you? Good. Good. 
If we would just uh, take a moment, I'm just going to pray over the offering first. So to hang on there, guys. Um, and let me just pray over the time, and we're going to just pray that God would continue to do a good work in the things that we have experienced over the last two days. So, Lord, we just come before you tonight again, and I just say thank you um, for Bob coming, for him will- his willingness to come, for his willingness to pour into our church over the last two days, uh, for his heartbeat, Lord, to continue to not just speak into people's lives, but to speak life into their lives. Um, God, for awakening your church to be reminded, Father, that uh, the breath that you poured into us in Genesis, Lord, is the same breath that is available today for us to speak into others' lives. God, help us to not just see people for who they are. Help us to see people for who you see them to be. I pray, God, that we would take this truth that was taught to us tonight and the expression and the experience, Father, and we would use it to pour into others. Lord, if we walk away with nothing else, may we walk away specifically being reminded that when we look at people the way you you look at them, lives can change. And I just pray, God, that you would encourage us to demonstrate the gifts, Lord, to exercise those muscles and to allow your Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're free to leave after the offering goes by. Uh, thank you guys so much for, uh, for being here today, tonight, and we just pray that you have a blessed and a warm evening on the way home. I pray your cars all warm up in record time. <laughs>